0: It's a wonderful blessing to be able to come among our congregation here and join with our network family across the many miles that Livestream reaches to and enjoy a time in the Word of the Lord. And um, for those of you in Dallas, I want to thank you for being faithful to come to the House of the Lord. This is a video teaching that Scott and I did Uh, previously Um, you could sell the background for those in Dallas that we're actually in the youth room I didn't want those of you who come every week to feel too much out of place you're seeing this live in uh, in the sanctuary right now but um, we do ask that you be in prayer for the ministry that's going to be conducted in the nation of Belgium over these next few days next Wednesday night we will have returned and uh, we'll be back in the normal rotation in in the youth room for wednesday night live but we do want you to know how much we appreciate your willingness to stand and embrace the mission that the lord has given and this year has truly been a phenomenal year it's been a year of of grace by the directive of the lord but it's been a year that has been um marked by incredible advancements, incredible points of breakthrough, incredible points of seeing the hand of God open new doors, grant favor, but most importantly, allowing us to learn more about him and to to share with his heart in the spirit of grace. This message on this Wednesday Night Live is a continuation of something that we began to study this past Sunday morning, and it's entitled The Song of Grace, and of course we're speaking about rejoicing. Now rejoicing in the New Testament is formed from a word that is in the same linguistic, not even the same family, it's the same root, um tie-in to grace and you have a lot of these kinds of words you have joy you have um, an extension of thanksgiving you have rejoicing you have um, an aorist tense of grace you have a lot of those but it's all the same root base and so to really understand what rejoicing is you cannot separate it from the the measure of what grace is and what is grace we've said this a thousand times over the years one of the greatest miscarriages of definings in the general church has been what grace really is and you know, when I was growing up and then in Bible college and seminary it was the patented def- definition the unmerited favor of God well none of us merit the privilege of partnering with God we are only able to do this because of the wonderful love and sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ but to infer that grace is just simply some kind of a dollop that falls from heaven and no one is expecting it and it just suddenly hits you and you say wow that's wonderful or then to extend it further to say something a great phrase there but for the grace of God go I as if God's grace is some kind of a roulette wheel of favor is is really a miscarriage of defining um, grace is one of the seven spirits of God that's clearly stated in the Old Testament and um, grace is linked with supplication grace is Uh, a partnership with God. Supplication is a prayer of very intimate relationship. It's a prayer of not begging, but of partnering. And grace always brings a new thing. Grace is always partnering with the impossible to go into a new horizon or to bring something to life that's never been brought before. And you know if you if you state the if you're going to cling to the definition of grace that's so readily accepted, where it's just something that is divested to you and you had no part in the matter, look at the number of people in the Old Testament who who the Bible says found grace in the eyes of God, or were like Hannah, whose name was grace, or Joseph, Noah, Moses, none of them in their walk with grace, had an easy time. You want to say to me that Noah found grace in the eyes of God and he was just skipping through the roses from that point? Come on. What about Joseph who found grace in God's eyes? Did he get uh, falsely um, enslaved through his brother and lied to in the family, thrown into the slammer in Egypt? Did, is that is that some unmerited amazing gift from God well it turned out to be but it cost him something what about Hannah whose name meant grace where she was barren God had shut up her womb and then she partnered with God she covenanted with God and as soon as the little miracle baby named Samuel was weaned she brought him and gave him to the service of Shiloh with Eli the high priest None of that sounds like some kind of a fanciful, pass go, um, free card. Grace is a partnership with God, and it always causes a privilege to welcome something new. And so when you combine the spirit of grace with supplication, and you recognize that that is the only one of the seven spirits that has built within it. An intercessory partnering capacity you really have come upon the essence of what grace is in the Bible so we've been studying a great deal over the past year and a half about how grace and supplication are communicated in the New Testament and how that um, grace and supplication or is is usually supplication and a word translated as prayer prosuke. Those two things are, are not always inseparable, but regularly inseparable. And you see that God says, if you're partnering with me in grace, and you are offering supplication, and you are coming before me, and you are commiserating with me concerning something that I want to do, then I will begin to give you insight I will begin to uh, walk with you as a chosen intercessor, as a partner, as a, as a son of the Most High, and uh, I will give you insights that you are then to use to direct your course. I'll give you words that you should declare, and I will, I will bring that process about. And that's what, that's what the, the New Testament shows us. Now you find a lot of times the, the greeting that is often used in throughout the New Testament, grace, mercy and peace, or grace and peace, that's God's progression. We should always be moving forward in grace. We should always be growing in church as the early church growing in grace as the early church did. We should then be looking for mercy, which is another miscast word, because mercy throughout the Old Testament is is commune with God, where he shares his heart, where he gives direction. The mercy seat was not where you came and cried and wept and complained to God about your plight. The mercy seat was where you met before God and the cherubs at that Ark of the Covenant that was to be a marshalling point for taking the kingdom forward. Peace is that accomplishment of victory. So, God wants us moving in grace and um, I, I shared this on Sunday morning and if you've not heard this message you can easily access it on the archives from our site but God says that um, as we partner with him in the spirit of grace and supplication how, how would that fit since that's one of the seven spirits how would that fit with the mind of Christ? How would that fit with the fivefold way God thinks? Well, very easily, because the pastor is the place where you're dwelling, and you're dwelling there in partnership with God in grace. The three things that happen with the pastoral office is number one, you're communicating with God regarding his mysteries. It would be helpful if you're praying in diversities of tongues. Secondly, you're utilizing your gifts that God gave you and you are allowing them to be developed and used. Thirdly, you're moving in the time of God, partnering with His hand. Those things are the pastoral office. God's going to be sharing His heart with you. You're going to come away with a lot of insights. That's teacher seer. God is going to be giving you prosuke understandings for declaration and perspective. That's prophecy. And the ultimate objective apostolically is the eucharistia or the good grace of God the grace that measures the purpose of God and that's what you say is your objective that's what God wants to do and it's not only an accomplishment but it's a going forward into the new in something new in God well what's missing there well the evangelist an evangelist euangelion is Someone that declares a message, a messenger of the purpose of God. Again, you go back to the description of the of the five full offices. The evangelist works with grace remedies. <laughs> and uh, the evangelist also works with the working of dunamis or the function of something. So I believe that that capacity of the mind of Christ in this seven spirits faculty of grace and supplication is rejoicing the evangelist is rejoicing and um, rejoicing is 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 an attitude yes it's a perspective yes it's not to be equated with your mission or your assignment or what you've committed yourself to those things stand alone but rejoicing is is when you recognize and you are convinced that what god said is going to be that you are moving in an angelic like partnership only you're you're moving as a son which is far greater than the angels jesus gave that to us and uh that that wonderful privilege of partnering with god is um is an amazing is an amazing thing we are we are not when we say we're rejoicing it's not some kind of a thing we're convincing ourselves you know uh encourage yourself or brighten up no it's it's a it's a it's a mindset it's an attitude of victory and if you really are committed to grace and there's no other way than to be committed you can't half, you can't half-heartedly go after grace you cannot you cannot just be part-time grace uh you you have to commit fully and and i mentioned this on, on many occasions it's like you can't be partly pregnant you are partnering with god and so as soon as you understand that and you know you're spending time with him and you're gaining insights and you're making the proclamation and you've got the goal in mind even though you may not know how it's going to happen, how it's going to turn out, how God's going to do it, you know that grace is going to accomplish what God has ordained. Uh, you need to trust all of that and let that frame the atmosphere, your demeanor, what you, what you believe. And, you know, if you, if you embrace that, it is to me a major antidote to the possibility of bitterness. You know, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that if you fail in grace, a root of bitterness can arise and defile many. Um, Bitterness is when your conscience and your thoughts feel like you've been abused in some way, you've been misled, or something has offended you, and you get crossways, and then you start pointing fingers, and then you get you get um, really jaded in your viewpoint of God and usually of the leader or those that are around you. And that's what bitterness does. It is, it is a poisoned atmosphere because you have abandoned what the calling is. You have abandoned that position of trust in God and you want to you wanna sell out those that you are in line with because you almost have to do that Otherwise, you're, you're basically saying that you've missed God, that you've failed God. And, you know, the weird thing is that that's essentially what happened. Sorry, but that's what happened. You just gave up on God. And, um, but you don't want to admit that to anybody, so it has to be everybody else's fault. I don't know how many times over the 20-plus years we've been walking as saints, we've seen people, many strong people, people that we love, Um, still and they somehow they become jaded they become dissuaded and then they fall away they stop praying they stop believing what they once believed and everybody around them can see what's happening and it's it's heartbreaking but then they finally quit and they abandon post and inevitably not one of them will say well you know I just gave up or, you know, I, uh, you know, it was too hard for me. It's always some cockamamie story that they come up with, usually blaming someone else, and, and it does defile many because there are people then that will believe that, and people that were close to them become infected by it, and it, it becomes bitterness. Bitterness becomes the gall that they become drunk on. They meet at a table and all swig it down, and um, it's, it's really a shame and uh, you know you 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 don't hold those people with disdain you don't hold them in a measure of unforgiveness you try not to fight fire with fire you don't you don't you, you you have to turn the other cheek and every other cheek you have but you know the point is that um you still have to read the box score and if you don't see clearly what's happened others can fall and god forbid you would fall so I think that rejoicing is a necessary um, component to this grace mixture because it is an atmosphere of, of uh, delight, as it were, in, even in challenging moments. You know, the, I, the, the Apostle Paul mentioned a number of times in the New Testament. He, he said, <clears throat> even though things aren't going right, in my eyes, even though I'm sorrowing, even though I'm in a point of weakness, I rejoice. And it's it's an injection. It's 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 that atmosphere that you cultivate and you hold on to. Um, it's like it's like a one of the fragrances of the incense of the saints. You are confident in what you have committed to God. I know whom I believe and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep me and and to fulfill that thing that he's promised so uh, rejoicing is something that is a part of it's a part of this recipe of grace joy is an established foundation but um and it's off of the same root but rejoicing is something that you have to keep cultivating and you have to you have to keep guarding over your life that you don't you don't allow something else to be the fragrance of your heart and it's it's not easy it's it's a challenge you are responsible for the air quality in the room of your heart and it it is something that you have to police and um it's it it you know and it's important that you that you embrace grace, that you stay in contact with the Lord, that you continue to receive insights from him, that you make your declaration sure, that you're convinced that God who promised is faithful. You've got to hold on to that. But then you also have to cultivate that praise and that, that measure of confidence. And, you know, even the song of grace, I mean, you have to work it. You, you have to work rejoicing. And um, I think that some of the scriptures that are on the sheet tonight, we would do well to look at them. The first is Acts 5 verses 41 and 42. Uh, this is after Peter and John had been um, treated badly by the, the council after the healing of uh, the blind man or, or the lame man. And um they departed from the presence of the council they had been mistreated they had been threatened they were departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were count worthy to suffer shame for his name and daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ rejoicing how do you do that you know I I would think let's just let's just count call it like it is you know these guys weren't walking with a halo around their heads with some monty python music playing in the background you know these guys had just been beaten and threatened and sent away and you know i would think the first thing they say man how dare they do that you know you could say that i think Man, I'm glad they could have, they could have killed us right there. And the only reason they didn't was that they were afraid. Or you could say, God got us out of that, but I wish he'd have saved us from the whole thing. Who knows what all they were talking about? But where is the where is rejoicing? Because I don't really know that rejoicing is any of that. I really don't. Because any of those things are kind of flavored with kind of. Man, you know, thanks for getting me out of that, but why'd you get me into it? You know what I mean? Maybe they were a lot less humanly minded as me. But the point is is that I think rejoicing is something else. And I think they they'd seen them they'd recently seen the resurrection of the Lord, they'd seen Pentecost, they saw this healing, the great grace was upon the church, the people were moving, and I think they just were they had it in in their sight that God was doing something amazing and with great grace upon the church it was something that was just pervading everything around them you know i felt this before you know I knew when God changed our church and God was moving the one thing that and I don't mean to sound noble here but whenever challenges would come whenever we were threatened and we were whenever things happened Um, there was one thing that held me. It was that God had given us this calling and that he was going to defend it, and we were working for him. In all honesty, that's what got us through a lot of things, but it was something that I just embraced, and so many others did. I think that is part of the aroma of rejoicing, and I certainly believe this is what uh the the disciples were saying here in acts 5. look at what is said in john 3 about the friend of the bridegroom in john 3 verses 29 and 30. he that hath the bride is the bridegroom but the friend of the bridegroom which stands that's faithful in their stemme and hears a him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice this my joy therefore is fulfilled he must increase but i must decrease now we've talked about the increase decrease business and that's an important thing we've talked about being a friend of the bridegroom being the voice of one crying in the wilderness that's a vital thing we've even talked about standing and hearing standing being faithful in your histeme and listening for what the voice of the spirit says we have not as much as we should included this third part rejoicing at the because of the bridegroom's voice you're he's preparing the way of the lord rejoicing at what the bridegroom is saying concerning his coming concerning what's going to happen and that's a target of grace and there's a rejoicing element there so i would say that for all of us as friends of the bridegroom who've stood faithfully in the gap in our Who have tried to listen to what God is saying, to interpret what He's saying, um, I would say that it's time now for us to integrate and welcome this third part of the principle, rejoicing, because that's what leads you forward into the fulfillment of what the bridegroom is saying. Um, we've, We've got to work this, we've got to see it in the Scripture. We've got to welcome it and ask God to really teach us what it is. Because, again, it's not put on a happy face. It's not, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm firmly committed. You know, I've got, a, you know, I've got a, a, a re-up. No, those things are important. But rejoicing is a work of grace that is so much different. It's not even agape. Agape is that breathing heart after the purpose of God rejoicing is is really an incense of of an atmosphere of being grateful and thankful and really how you meditate you know if you think of the way bitterness comes and we mentioned this earlier bitterness doesn't just drop onto somebody it it ruminates it stews for a while before the bitterness really comes and i think that rejoicing is something that has to be cultivated Uh, rejoicing in grace is something that has to be cultivated so i believe the spirit is going to help us but this is very much friend of the bridegroom stand here rejoice what about another principle Uh, romans 12 12 rejoicing in hope rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation continuing instant in prosuke look at those three you begin with this atmosphere of grace that is cultivated by that deep relationship with God where he, in hope, the heart of God deposits and cultivates that seed of faith in you. Rejoicing seems to be nestled in right there. It's a remembrance of what God said. It is a confidence in his love. It is a a cherishing of that partnership. It's that stirring on the top of the mountain that carries you through in so many other ways. And then you have to observe patience, which is the first sign of the apostolic, according to the apostle Paul, regardless of the thalipsis, regardless of whatever trying, because tribulation works patience. If you're walking in patience, you're going to deal with measures of pressing, tribulation, and then you remain instant. In gaining insight from God through supplication prayer in prosuke. That's important. So remember that place, that intimate place with God where grace and faith were formulated. Stay f- faithful in patience. Don't give up, tarry, wait upon God. God will be faithful in that seal a moment. And then be ready to, at any point, Call unto God and make that proclamation that He shares, make that declaration that He reveals, that prosuke. What a wonderful thing that is. Look at another threefold thing. In um, I call it a principle, but this, this is really a, an accumulation here. First Thessalonians five, sixteen through eighteen. Rejoice always or evermore. Pray, prosiuchamai, without ceasing. In everything give thanks, Eucharistio, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Oh, you know, I don't know how many times over the years somebody would come to me and say, Pastor, I really need to know the will of God. I just can't hear from him. Um, And, you know, people equate the will of God with, should I go to Tom Thumb instead of Albertsons today? Should I go to Starbucks or Chick-fil-A? Should I take this job or that job? Should I marry this person or that person? They look at the will of God as if it's some golden ticket of, of direction. And God will give you direction. But really clearly right here in this passage, what is the will of God? in christ jesus concerning you rejoice evermore embrace this atmosphere of grace pray prosyukami if you're partnering in supplication listen to what god is saying and do it continually and make those proclamations and in everything look for the end game look for the eucharistio look for the fulfillment of the good purpose of god that's the will of god for you and if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all the things that you need will be added to you. So instead of putting the cart before the horse, instead of saying, oh, I need to know the will of God, like God's given you some heavenly uh, astrological reading, you know, why don't you enter into partnership in grace? Why don't you pray and, and supplication and gain insights from him and do what he says and say what he says why don't you partner in grace to accomplish great things with god because that's the will of god for you and when you do that your life will be what he put you on this earth to do i'm going to give you a news flash god did not put you on this earth so that you can shop more easily God did not put you on this earth so that you can always get a parking spot up at the front of the mall. God didn't put you on this earth so you just have a career path that's that's just floating from place to place. Those are good things. Those are blessings. God put you on this earth to partner with Him. God gave you a deposit of His Spirit that when you accepted Jesus was born again, God knew you from the foundation of the world, and he wants to know you now. He wants to partner with you now. He wants you to be moving in grace with him. That's the will of God. And of course, I was in the church. I grew up in church. I'm still in the church, but I'm in a pneumatikos house. I'm in an ecclesia, and that's really what God wants us to be, and we're striving to be more and more. Of what he wants us to be, but I know how the church game works, and you—you know—I remember one time, um, I decided that um, uh, when I first became pastor, uh, I would accept an offer from one of my dear friends to go down and meet the storied pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, who at that time was W. A. Criswell, very nice man. Um, in fact, uh, after our, I became pastor, he agreed to come here and speak for us and he uh, he preached and just was a really kind kind hearted man, even though they weren't spirit filled. what he did for the Lord was an amazing thing. so I went to meet him and he prayed over me and uh, I asked him, you know if you if you were starting out again as a pastor if you were in my shoes as a 29 year old taking over this church what what would you do and he said get your people to pray I mean he said really pray he said of all the things we've done we've built major buildings we've we've done and he listed all these things and they were true he wasn't he wasn't boasting I mean you knew they were true he said, I've never been able to get my people to pray. I can fill this place many times over with any kind of thing we bring forth, but if I call a prayer meeting, there'll be a handful. He said, I can't get my people to pray. He said, get your people to pray. I know how church is. I remember after 9-11, all the, many of the churches in our country were filled with people. We had people here that I hadn't seen in years because they were scared. About two months later, I don't know where they are and he's oh pastor you're being judgmental no i'm not i'm just speaking about the state of the church god wants to know you he wants you to pray and seek him and know him this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you rejoice 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 welcome that atmosphere of grace to where you will be sustained as you're going forward and you just can't wait to, to partner with God again. It's a romance of grace. Welcome that. Welcome it. Cherish it. Nourish it. And, you know, some people only want to partner in grace when people are laying hands on them or some new thing is happening with a manifestation and they fall on the ground. And, and I appreciate manifestations. Don't get me wrong. But it's what you do as a, as a result of that that matters. Jesus came down off the Mount of Transfiguration, glowing, and um, God had changed him for what was coming next. He' had been transfigured. You say, "Oh, Jesus changed. He was perfect. Well you explain what transfigured is then, And uh, the guys that were up there with him, the big three said, "You know, we, we need to build some uh, tabernacles for, for each of you, Moses, Elijah and you, and the rest of the nine were down there you know, with a the crowd crying and weeping and a little boy foaming at the mouth and a father crying and oh my goodness and jesus said you know how long do i have to be with you It's because your iniquity you it's 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 really essential that we seek this lifestyle that god is going to provide for you god is going to be faithful to what he promised God is going to do things for you that are going to be astounding, and you'll think, how did he do that? I didn't know that was coming. But you must seek him. You must be with him. He must be the priority of your life. Rejoice evermore. Prosukamai, without ceasing. In everything, Eucharistio. This is the will of God. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you and you know you find uh you find this this term used throughout the bible uh, throughout the new testament in many different ways you know there's another stream of this regarding the lost coin and the lost sheep and the great rejoicing that occurs after both of those and um you know it's the essence of it is that you know something that should have been in the fold is now you know in the prodigal return there was rejoicing some someone or something that should have been in the fold of grace left and now is back and so there's the atmosphere of of grace that is being poured out there's great rejoicing over one sinner that repents that atmosphere of rejoicing is poured out Um, but it's it's certainly something that we need to recognize is an essence a divine essence and we need to ask god for it and we need to police that in our life now again yeah i'm sure there's a part of proper thinking there's appreciation there is an assessment of what's going on not forgetting what god is doing all of those things but to me Rejoicing is more of an, em, an emotive. It's more of, a, of, a, of an expression <clears throat> to God. It's a heartfelt fragrance of grace. And all of those other things should be being done anyway. You know, I, I'll be really um, transparent with you here. I've tried to walk this walk as faithfully as I can personally and as as a leader because i can't take my congregation someplace that i'm not and um i i freely admit that i work hard because it is the work of the ministry you know faith without works is dead you know but it's not a gospel of works but you know what i mean you've you've got to pour yourself into it you can't just skip through it or go through the motions and I've done everything that I've known to do and still had to deal with feeling miserable. And um, you can get weary, you can be hurt, you can be discouraged, you can have the enemy coming after you, and you just don't know why, like the Apostle Paul said, uh, you know I asked the Lord three times to remove this thing, and God said, "My grace is sufficient. My grace." surrounds you there's something further than just reminding there's something further than just assessing having the right attitude there is a measure a divine measure of cherishing and loving God and expressing to him the fragrance of your heart in appreciation for his person welcoming you in grace and that's rejoicing that is rejoicing it's rejoicing in hope in that in innermost part of his heart and you can ask God for this I don't think we really understand it I don't think we have I think we have equated rejoicing with a with a good attitude and um Anyone that's noble because an attitude is part of it but i think we need to we need to we need to be very faithful to express to god how much we appreciate the privilege of him welcoming us into his heart and in, in to to partner with him in grace that he chose us and allowed us to find grace in his eyes he gives us the clues he gives us the invitation but we must agree to do it and when we find it then we need to thank him because we recognize what a privilege it is and um, that's really that partnership discussion that expression from your heart is what forms the basis for this type of divine romance where you express your heartfelt gratitude to god for the privilege of being able to partner in grace i believe that's the essence of, um, of rejoicing so always it's the last verse that we have here philippians 4 verse 4 rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice You know, anytime you see a double issuance of something, um, it is from the heart. It is an, an intimate type of an expression. And, you know, we heard earlier, rejoice evermore. Here we have rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I believe that this is something that the Father is putting his finger on at this time. And it's something that he wants to embellish, that he wants to open himself to us, to experience in a new way, and to welcome from him and give back to him. Uh, He will lead us and guide us in the art of rejoicing based on grace, partnership. And I believe that tonight, Or whenever it is that you're hearing this God would want you to spend some time in reflecting upon this and you from your heart ask God to awaken this capacity within your spirit ask him to lead you in the pathway of an expression of rejoicing that would be acceptable to him that would be pleasing to him um you know that's what you do with friends i mean you hopefully you get to know what they enjoy doing and you you don't want to just be serving them all the time but you want to you want to allow them to feel a sense of fulfillment in your relationship with them but this is with god and I believe he'll show us what it is that he, he really wants in this way. Because rejoicing is an imperative. It is crucial. And in the days where we're leading into, the days that are, um, are especially ripe, these end times with the ability to serve God and to see his kingdom enter into many new lands and many new spheres to walk in new dimensions of the Spirit I believe that God is saying to us you need this capacity of rejoicing to complete the recipe of grace as you move forward then in wisdom and I ask God now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to lead this congregation And the congregations of the Saints into a pathway of rejoicing that is new and is deep and is compelling and is loving we need all of these things and I ask you father that you would begin that work in me and in all of these Saints help us to thrive in that spirit of rejoicing so that we might triumph with you in grace and help us then to teach these things and pattern these things and demonstrate these things to those to whom you have called us to be examples for as we make disciples among all nations. So I proclaim that over each one of you. And I ask you now, if you would just find a place to seek him, spend as much time as, as you want Um ask him to guide you in this spirit of rejoicing and spend some time giving thanks to him tell him from your heart how much you appreciate the privilege of being able to partner with him in grace express that to him and you know as you do that kind of thing from your heart it will permeate who you are it will it will provide grace to your mind. It will provide grace to your spirit, to your body, to the countenance. You will be sowing grace into the entire framework of who you are, and we need that. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let's make that something in this end part of this year, Uh, that is imperative and necessary in our life because it is thanks so much for being here thanks for tuning in let's find a place to pray now may god bless you